Deconstructing Dogma is a video bonus series hosted exclusively on Patreon. Patrons of the Deeper Pulse have unlimited access to these weekly extras in exchange for their support of the podcast. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash the deeper pulse. The stories and opinions shared in this episode are based on personal experiences and are not intended to malign any individual, group, or organization. You're about to hear excerpts from Deconstructing Dogma episodes 31 and 32, where Tracy and I sit down with Jill Pagano. Jill is a former teacher and trainer at The Org, who joined us for a two-hour conversation to share about her time in the practice, her choice to step away, and to offer a rather timely call to action. Here's a quick sample. So all to say that even though I felt like I was more conscious of how I stepped out, I still had a lot of the same feelings of like, oh my gosh, I've lost my community. I've lost my practice. I lost my fitness. I lost like just the endless losses. And that's when, I mean, hearing what you had to say, it resonated so deeply and it helped me put so many pieces in place. And then once those pieces got in place, it was like, oh, the pieces of my heart are in place. And now I'm like, F you org. I don't want to spend another minute thinking about you, which is why it took me so long to do the podcast because I was really tormented. Like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm so effing over it. And I don't like, screw it. I'm going on. You know, so there was like this little bit of the spite in between me. I was like, I don't even want to give another moment of my time to that organization and those people who ran it. Mm-hmm. But here I am. <laughs> <laughs> not and, and, and it are. is not about me giving them more time. This is about me yes. now taking back my time and, and thankfully having you guys to guide me to share what I learned from being in that organization and mm-hmm. my journey of stepping out. And if it helps somebody else step out, if it helps someone else go, oh, now I feel like this, and I'm all up for that. Yeah. My contributions to the community, not to the org. Yeah. So when I hear people say, oh, well, not that, it wasn't that bad, or this or that, like I get it. It's where they're at. It's what they need to say. And I have been that person, so I have compassion for that. But I'm here to say that all three of us would not be like, on the edge of our, you know, emotional edge here, mm-hmm. if it wasn't super messed up. Yeah. And that's why I think they can just stop brushing it off because you have intelligent, articulate, emotionally educated women and a few men, of course, that are saying, shoot, I'm having these like massive, where I'm dissociated from my body, where I'm feeling all this shame. I still have it 15 years later. Well, you can't tell me that it's nothing. Exactly. That's right. So take responsibility. The the founders need to take responsibility for their shitty job in educating people. They have no they have no no qualifications for educating people in the way, and they certainly should not have educated based on fear, which is what is just irritates me to no get out because of all the like. Oh, choose love. Well, stop educating based on fear because that's what they did. And they did it yeah. every training. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That that's true. is wrong. 
It's wrong. And they deserve to be held accountable for that. And they keep doing it, I'm sure. And not only are the three of us sitting here talking about black holes in memory or that the visuals are there, but for the three of us that are here now, there are, up until this point, I've been saying dozens, but Candace, hundreds. I, I have no idea because for hundreds. every message we receive, who knows how many more there are of people who aren't reaching out who have been impacted. And, and mm-hmm. many of them saying like, well, it wasn't as bad, so I just didn't think to even say anything. So I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, yeah. well, I didn't have an experience like Mark's or I didn't have an experience like, you know, Candace's or whoever's. I wasn't called out in a mask ceremony like Shannon. And right. yet the experience that I just described being in a training where somebody's being abused and I blacked out completely. Mm-hmm. That's an experience that any one of many thousands of people could have had, yeah. that could have left an, a mark. And that's one instance, one example of many things that happened over the course of seven days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's impossible, like you're saying, Tracy, it's impossible for us to really calculate yeah. the harm. The whole power any- over dynamic was almost 100% of the time. Like, I think she's asking me this, or I think Roal is asking me this, but maybe they're not because maybe they're just seeing how I would respond to that. I mean, there was, yeah. I personally felt like I was in a constant state of like, well, do you really want this answer? Or are you looking to see if I respond? Like constant, high alert. How am I supposed to respond to this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the reasons why I come with that vulnerability, but they definitely exploited that vulnerability. Like I take responsibility for my vulnerability, but mm-hmm. they were in the position of teachers and they, whether they were conscious of it or not, who no one will ever know, Yeah, but they definitely exploited it mm-hmm. continually Agreed. for Agreed. years over thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And potentially thought they were doing good with it and were never open to hearing that they weren't That's always turning a blind side to it. Mm-hmm. So when people kind of go, well, they didn't know. It's like, yeah, but how do you respond when somebody comes to you with an authentic criticism or an authentic, boy, I felt a little weird about this. Like, are you open into reflection and like, oh, thank you. Or are you just, don't bring this to me. This is how we, you know, this is the training. That's what it would be turned around as. Well, this is how you're going to be better at whatever this principle or that principle. It would always be turned around to, this is about you not being good enough. I'm fine. You are coming to me with this problem about me, but it's really about you, which I think we know now is gaslighting. Yes, we do. And power over abuse. And when they operate that way, 75% of the time, you begin to think it's normal. It's not you. And I think others do. I think so. Yeah. It begins to become the normal way. After Jill shares about her first few years in the org, she opens up very candidly about how and why she decided to become a trainer and how when she opened her own studio, despite what she'd been promised, 
the investment in the org never really mathed out. So how long did you Perfect. have the studio and what was the... like? I, did- the first studio opened summer of 2011. I opened my Center for Movement and Healing in 2012 and I sold it in 2018. <laughs> so six years. Mm-hmm. And I stopped teaching the body of work about a year before I sold it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what led to you stopping teaching? I mean, I was fortunate at that time I was working with a money coach because I was like, how is it that I'm not making any money? How is it that I'm not saving any money? I'm, you know, I'm not earning anything. And and she was very instrumental in just being, I mean, there was definitely emotional stuff tied to it. I learned a lot from her about the under earning and why, you know, and giving time away for free. Like there was a lot of that. But she also was very like, okay, you're going to track your expenses. You're going to project your expenses. You're going to, you know, project your revenue. Like we got, I was like in my money. Like I was in it every, you know, I was in the studio. I knew exactly what we were spending, exactly what we were projected to earn. I knew what was coming up next month. Like I just was all in my money. And she helped me do that. I worked with her for two years and she was pretty neutral about the org. And though she was very like, I just don't see how, but what I learned (laughs) through her helped me to see, I can't make a sustainable living if I'm working with people who are not financially responsible. And that is when I, when I left the org, that is the letter I wrote to them, which I wish I had a copy to Seth and Marissa. I can't find it, (laughs) but I was like, this is impossible. The way that you guys are financially you don't have the ability to run an organization financially. I don't care how brilliant you are in other ways. I can't rest with you constantly running sales and I just never know what's coming. But by then I was done. My body was done. I didn't feel like teaching anymore. I was tired of being broke all the time. I was tired of you know my partner, who's now my husband, was just like going. I mean, he was so graceful the whole time. He supported me. I mean, when I sold my studio, thank gosh, I was able to get money for it. But I spent 13 years investing in the org, investing in the body of work. And those are 13 of what it would have been my prime earning years. So I'm 57, looking at retirement, and there is none of that money. Mm. And I used a lot of my own money. So after my divorce, I had money, you know, at my fingertips and that I was always an investment. I used it. I didn't go on fancy trips. I didn't buy new cars. I invested it in the org. I just appreciate so much, Jill, that you spoke to that. It's like a a punch in the gut, I'm sure, to a lot of folks out there. And I feel this even in just, (laughs) wow, it's just really landing for me. Thank you for that. That's a really beautiful and gut-wrenching reflection. Jill, as you were talking, I'm thinking, I don't necessarily believe that any teachers in your community said that, that you were bad-mouthing. I just... I mean, what what even is that? Well, that's the real thing. That's the real rub here. And that's the (laughs) thing I wanted to just take a minute with, because it's like... What's happening right now? Like right now, Are I we all bad mouth in the org. To you, that's the story. 
Yes, there's all these people out yeah. there in fucking Candace, like after everything yes. I did for her, I can hear the whole thing. Like yes. I know exactly what too. the story is that she's telling herself about me and all of us and anybody yeah. who's showing up. There's so many more and more of you are becoming so brave and like chiming yeah. in on social media posts and just saying what you mm-hmm. think. Yeah, It's not yeah. bad mouthing to voice your opinion. And what if it was? Who fucking cares? There's that too. <laughs> I mean, you can badmouth the president. You can badmouth your coffee. Baby. You can badmouth. Like, <laughs> guess what? You are allowed to have a negative opinion about the org, about Marissa, about Seth. You are allowed to say, I don't like them. I think they're terrible at business. I think their education is based on fear. I think they... I can say something good. I think they kind of try. They try. I think they're totally money grabbing right now. Like I am allowed to have all of these opinions. Mm-hmm. I could be posting them on social media. Like that's not necessarily illegal either. Like, guess what, Marissa? You're not the queen that says you were bad. I think you were bad mouthing. Mm-hmm. So what? Right. That's allowed. Sorry. Is that, that. going to bother you that I'm bad mouthing your precious org? that you've worked so hard to put and protect on this pristine image of all that you are, which is even another conversation about the image of the org mm-hmm. that doesn't match mm-hmm. the experience of the many, 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 many people. But I'll leave that for later, <laughs> for another time. Yeah. But yeah, so there's this big thing about like, if you bad mouthed, like, it's like a big shame thing. Like, you're not allowed to badmouth the yard. Guess what? I'm not in it. I say whatever I want. Oh, my God. Thank you for that so much. It's not like, a- <laughs> it's the good girl. It's the good girl indoctrination. Yes. That's 100% yeah. what it is. You're so right. Yeah. Of like, don't, what, are, naughty? Yeah. Naughty, naughty. Be polite. Be polite. It's not polite. Yeah. You shouldn't badmouth the yard. What the hell? And what do you actually think the chances are right now that Candace, as you just mentioned, that Candace is not being bad-mouthed? I'm not <laughs> zero. I'm going to guess that the chances that I am not being bad-mouthed? Oh, honey. 0.0. 0. Yeah. And Jill, you are right Welcome in there with us. We are all being bad-mouthed. That is yes. an assumption that I am willing to make. I think so. I am willing to make it, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really possible for this short preview to do this conversation justice. We go so many places in it, but I've decided to share with you one of the most potent excerpts. When Jill offers a call to action, not just to the org, but to wellness culture in general. It's honestly one of the best ideas I've heard thus far. Give it a listen. When I was emailing you, Candace, I was like, oh, I feel like we need to address a call to action because I do feel like without a call to action, I feel like I'm just bitching into the oblivion, which I have done a little bit on this program. Thank you. <laughs> but for me, uh, a, call to action, a call to action is about like almost like the bigger picture because I can get really sucked into the org, but I know that there are like 50 dozen orgs. Like there's one on every street corner. 
I mean, I personally signed up for this MLM while I was in the org because you got to try and make money. And then, you know, the org also had another woman that they were aligned with and you could fly to New York and do her stuff. And I did that. And anyway, so it's out there. And there are kind of two things that I think about in terms of what the really the wellness and the woo industry could start to look at adopting. And unfortunately, we have two other types of cultures that we can look at. Like I said, unfortunately, one is the Catholic Church and what happened with all the sex abuse cases mm-hmm. with priests and, and parishioner children. And my kids went to Catholic school and we all volunteered. Oh. I had to go through an orientation to learn about what grooming looked like. It was online and it was in person. In order to be a volunteer, I had to nipple the red flags so that I could watch and be eyes. My children went through, and this was, I think, fourth grade, where the teachers went through and educated them on. It was a program that the Catholic Church adopted as part of their penance, for lack of a better word, is that okay, we will be doing this to educate our parishioners, our volunteers, how to act and also how to watch for grooming. So that's one example that's out there, sadly needed, but it's out there now. Yeah. And the other one is also very sad, and that's an organization currently funded by the federal government, and it's called Safe Sport. It's the Center for Safe Sport, I believe. And this came out of all of the sexual and otherwise abuse from the U.S. Olympic Gymnastic Organization, Larry Nasser. Mm-hmm. So after that whole tragedy that is probably replicated in other sports, but we know of that in this one, there was a governing body that is funded through the government and they created a safe sport organization. They have a database that anybody can go in. I went in and looked to see who has been flagged and has an open case against them. Is the case open and being investigated against this coach? Have they been suspended? So, And then they have an educational model that is for coaches, and it also is for players, mm-hmm. so that we can all learn what grooming looks like. Coaches can learn what's acceptable, like what, because... A lot of coaches have been coached by people who are not doing it right. They were emotionally exactly. abused. And oh, then they go and become coaches and they think they're yeah. coaching well. They don't know that they're using these manipulative tactics. So they have to be deprogrammed <laughs> and look at their own stuff and at least change their coaching model. So there's an education around that. And I really feel like wellness in general could use like a safe group Like if you're going to go to Tony Robbins, you're going to go to, you know, the organization, if you're going to go and do a personal growth thing, that they are a safe group, that they've got safe group compliance. Right. Which means that that organization. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. If you sign up for a week training with them, the first thing you get is a safe group video on what to watch out for Mm -hmm. in group dynamics. And I mean, I know it's hard, but like Candace has been so brilliant in saying like, this is what love bombing is. Like 
there's probably got to be top five things that if I had just maybe known those yeah. and the organization that I was looking into becoming a member sent that to me and that organization was trained and had exposure so that they could better understand how their teaching methods were teetering in unsafe waters or were very much in it. Yep. And if they got their yeah. trainer that kind of trained in safe group, and then they were actively promoting that everybody who signed up for their trainings, you had to watch this video series before you could attend. I just think that would have been huge, a huge help for me. Because education is the is definitely the start of it for not only the people using these manipulative tools, if they're really earnest about doing things well, they'll be open to learning how to undo it. Exactly. If they're open to that, I can have compassion for what they have done. If they're not, then they don't deserve my compassion mm -hmm. because then they're just going to keep making their same mistakes over and over again. And if they're not willing to protect the people who have signed up for their trainings and their classes by sending them, you know, a series of three videos to help you educate on the dynamics of groups, then clearly they're not looking out for their people. Mm -hmm. And then it is clearly just a money grab. Well said. So that's what, I mean, if I could wave a magic wand, that's what I do. I think it's a beautiful vision. And when the examples you gave with the gymnastics organization, for example, and the coaches and in sports in general. I think the key thing that I just really want to emphasize is that those programs and curriculums can't be created within the organization that is employing the dysfunctional dynamics. There has to be an outside force. So I, I want to name this because I know I've mentioned before that when the series first started, the COO of the org reached out and wanted to talk with Tracy and I and was wanting to acknowledge the trauma we'd experienced and other people, and can we sit down and talk? And I want everyone to really understand why I said no. Like Tracy said no because she was still pretty raw and, and mm -hmm. just I agreed to handle the communication on behalf of the both of us. But I said no because, <laughs> and I did my best to articulate this, like so many people have come into the org to be the savior of the org. And you can't save the org if you're indoctrinated into the org. It's just not possible. I don't care how great your intentions are. I don't care what a good person you are, how intelligent you are, what other training you came into it with. If you're indoctrinated into the headspace of it, you can't be the one who has the vantage point and the ability to see. Because like you say, we're perpetuating these dynamics. And, and I had also, you know, full disclosure, heard stories about this particular individual perpetuating these dynamics in her own community before she even moved into the position of COO. Mm -hmm. And I say this with compassion. I'm not throwing her under the bus here. I'm just saying this is common. Yeah. So I didn't feel like this is a person I'm going to sit down with and hash out how the org can stop being culty because I knew that this wasn't the way it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I also knew and I also communicated this it doesn't matter what she does to try to get everyone else on board. Let's say that she somehow did call in a consultant. Let's say she called a Yanya Lalich and said, Yanya Lalich, come sit down with me and let's make a plan for how to, <laughs> all the things you just talked about, Jill. 
if the people who are at the top of the pyramid, namely Marissa and Seth, aren't on board for it and aren't accountable. And this has happened a lot in the org where they're like, we're going to bring an expert in. They've had so many consultants come in. It's happened so many times that, I mean, I might have even come off as callous to her in a way because I was just like, yeah. like yeah, I've seen it so now. many times. Yeah, it's not. you're not going to do it either. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen mm-hmm. because I know that they're not willing to be accountable. And if they're not, it's not going to change. And then so some people are like, well, well, when when Marissa passes, then yeah. we'll, you know, it's like this is a systemic, massive undertaking to shift this culture. Like it is yeah. massive. And yeah. I think it would take what you just described, Jill, an outside, perhaps governmentally yeah. funded, perhaps a nonprofit organization that offered the ability to train and to certify and get this like safe space, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to come in and but they would have to agree to that right and then they would have to do the difficult and it's like anti-racist mm-hmm. the, the org's done this which every company seems to do now we have a dei now and we're gonna yeah. you know and it's like well who's leading it yeah who's leading it and and i exactly. know that your intentions are great and i know that you're doing the best that you can based on the information that you have and the three books that you read or whatever and i say this is somebody yeah. who's totally guilty of all this right i really want people to understand who are really just devastated that the COO is now gone and she mm-hmm. was going to save it. And I just want to say she wasn't. No, and it's the magic yeah. pill formula thinking. Like we just need a magic pill and it'll save this mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen. We absolutely have to look outside of it. That's the only way we yeah. learn. Because exactly. when I was inside, I wouldn't have believed any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when people say, is there a cult dynamic in the org? Well, if people are describing they're either in or out, there is. Like, that's the bottom line. If people are describing, I mean, either in it or out it, then there definitely is a cult dynamic. And that goes for other organizations as well. As I said, there's much more to this combo. If you'd like to access the complete two hours, in addition to three dozen other bonus episodes, and show your support of the podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash the deeper pulse.